doing things a little differently this week. For our birthdays, Christina Youngy Kim, my Taurus sister, B-Day twin, and cacao queen extraordinaire is the one asking the questions. I know right now there are a lot of us trying to keep afloat our social agendas or maintain a state of normalcy by way of what our tech allows. Zoom calls, virtual events, online classes, but I've also just heard about the burnout and that a 20 person Zoom call is just tiring. And at some point the novelty of the screen fizzles out in comparison to that in-person event. And right now that's just the situation. Rather than hold my previous engagements and agenda to what is doable within the restrictions of this pandemic, I have just adapted it. My days are slower and gentler, yes, but there's also so much more fear and agitation. Sometimes I honestly just feel bipolar. Instead of seeing all that we live for as on hold, let yourself be molded to what allows you to continue to move forwards, to what feeds you, supports you. I make an event out of my weekly phone calls with those in my life whom I hold dear. Morning check-ins while finishing up a yoga stretch, afternoon coffee chats. Heck, I'm even talking to friends in the shower, wondering if the steam is eventually going to screw my iPhone over. Christina and I hold our mini meditation sessions on Thursdays. We intentionally breathe together and slurp cacao. Those people you don't feel the need to entertain, to do with, but can just be with. Those are a gift. We're thinking of sharing some of these moments on the podcast. No strings attached, just a good amount of musings, tangents, debates, recipes, fangirlings, planning, etc. It's a weird abstract feeling. Ever since we've been in quarantine, the number of steps with which we expand our sense of existence onto this world with has significantly decreased to perhaps that 700 square foot apartment, the morning runs, or, you know, your weekly grocery pickup. And yet, I feel my own existence is becoming fuller, that there's much to do, much to experience, laugh, and cry about. That I come from two people who loved each other dearly, that I've been given all that I have, and that there's so much adventuring to be done, pandemic or not. Here's an episode giving space to whatever we were in that instance, just between two friends. And I hope that you don't forget to give yourself moments like these either. This is episode 40 of Friends with Christina Youngie Kim. A quick heads up. We're dealing with an overseas conversation here, so the audio may reflect this. Coming to you from New Jersey and Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Okay, so... Oh no, now I'm nervous. (laughs) Okay, so this is Christina Kim from the Secret Cacao Garden introducing you guys to Rachel Campbell, the mysterious and talented illustrious and podcaster behind Guts and Glory and the Illustries. Oh my god, stop. <laughs> I know, and I'd be like, actually, so we just flipped the script on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait, are you still recording? Yeah. <laughs> because I love all the podcasts that you've done and everything that's on your Instagram has been so compelling picture-wise. And then when you get into the podcast, you just hear the love and the passion that you have behind every single interview and also the soul that comes out between you and each interviewee. So I was... So honored to be your guest last year, right before my birthday, and when we found out we had the same exact birthday, there's just a moment of pure, uh, I guess almost like bliss. It's like knowing your life just all makes sense, and the universe has conspired to bring us together, 
and so thankful for you. So on with the interview. Oh my gosh. And true. I guess secret cacao garden fashion. We'll start with a little cacao ceremony. And um, I wanted to ask you, um, what are you drinking today? I have passion flower, chamomile, a little bit of valerian, ashwagandha, reishi chaga, and cacao. And I have your mayambo beans as well, which I took a few beforehand. Zen, I am ready. <laughs> yes, love it, love it. Oh my gosh, I love all these ingredients that you put in. I'm going to have to ask you a little bit more after our meditation. Um, I'll tell you what I have in mind. I have cow from, oh, Peru, from this new friend, Mateo. Beautiful Peruvian beans that he turned to a ceremonial cacao. And then I put in my honey with saffron, gold, and a little bit of mirror. And oh my gosh, okay. And then his, uh, he also has a chocolate bar that's amazing. And it is um, has blue lotus in it, marshmallow root, <gasps> marshmallow leaf. You would love this. Coconut sugar and uh, there's something else. I will look it up afterwards and send it to you. But uh, it's delicious. So I'll be sipping that while we um, sit and do a little breathing meditation. <sighs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, are you in a comfortable spot? Yes, blue velvet chairs. I am ready. <laughs> I picked this meditation because I thought it would be perfect for our birthday and manifesting because it's just super powerful when we can tune in our focus and um, also know the magical powers that we have right now and um so i'll just run through for just a, a moment it's you're going to close your eyes and then focus on your third eye point so you'll feel that area right in your frontal lobe and that's where we can actually um control our pituitary gland and just control all of our stress hormones, but also tap into our more divine powers. And so as you're closing your eyes, sit nice and tall. And I'm actually going to move to the lawnmower sound area. I'm outside right now. Okay. As you ease into your position, and take a deep breath in through your nose. Sit up nice and tall, reaching your spine to the, to the heavens above, to the cosmos. And feel your tailbone, your root chakra, your hip bones grounding down into the earth, connecting from the sky to the earth. And we're like a beacon. Just letting the light in, coming through the top of our heads, our crown chakra, going all the way down through our spine. Start taking deeper breaths through your nose and focus on a vision of you in the future, after maybe five years, six years, is when you're on your next phase of your life. Or when you've actually made it. So the fullest dream that you can you've ever imagined. Use all five senses. Breathe and smell what's around you. Look out into your environment. What do you see? With your hands, what are you touching? What are you feeling on your skin? Catch a reflection of yourself. What do you look like? How does it feel to be this you? this version of you 
that you always knew you were, and now here you are. And you're going to take a little sip of what you're drinking. It could be the cacao in your hands. I invite you now to take a sip of the cacao. And as you feel it traveling down into your heart space, Feeling your heart open up the possibilities and get bigger and bigger until you see a light connecting all of your chakra points until you're cut and held into a shining light egg. You're now an orb. And as you're looking down at your future self, just take a moment and listen and smell and feel how that heightened awareness feels. And take one last look at yourself and put your hands on top of your heart. Left hand first, right hand on top. Take a deep breath and do your nose. Just feel all the love that you have for your future self, for yourself now your past self because it's all one bypassing time and space and so yeah you can put your hand and back down Last three fingers out in the Gyan Mudra, just closing the circle of your energy. Still, take a last inhale in through your nose, sitting up nice and tall. And exhale everything out slowly through your mouth. And rub your hands together in front of your chest, and then place them at your breastbone. And thank yourself, and I thank you, Rachel. I thank myself for this beautiful meditation we could do together. And I love you so much. And ah, this is amazing. I need you to do this with me. Like, if I had you in my head every morning, afternoon, and evening, just, like, bring me down, bring me down, and oh, ground. I loved it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I I know we went over the three minutes, but I just got into it, and I was like, ah, oh, this is so special. I love, I actually love leading meditations, and I would love to do that. We should do it, like, once a week. Um, yes. And... I feel like it would, or we could do it every day. I don't care. <laughs> it would be good for both of us. <laughs> like right before yeah. we head out to the grocery run, it's like so stress-inducing or anything in public. You're like, Christina, three minute. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. Well, you just picture yourself in that shield, that orb, that egg. And you just, like, get into your heart space. And I did this a lot in D.C. when I first started to feel this connection with the heart. I kind of brought that feeling with me when I went out into the world. And I was like, okay, it's going to be great. I'm just going to attract all the positive, And um, I won't even see or 
fear any negativity. And I just had to keep that positive. I ended up feeling a fear of like, oh no, like what do I have to do to protect myself? And for a few months, I didn't run into any, like, there was nothing bad that ever happened to me in D.C. Like, I didn't run into traffic, there was no honking, which is really crazy in D.C. Because that's, like, an every minute thing. <laughs> but light or... I don't know. Yes, just picture yourself. And you can even do it, like, right before... Uh, if a car has an orb around it, and then with my other car, again, just like tap into that orb and just like just say, like, I'm protected, I'm shielding myself from positive energy, everything around me will you know, just be attracted to your positivity and light, and you're sharing your light, which actually will help people tap into their light. Yeah, I know that my mom <laughs> always says, you know, when you head out, just imagine that white light and everything in Dutch is like. It, you can say it can't stop of you. It's like it bounces right back off of you. Like nothing can touch you. And it's like even with yes. your loved ones, you can imagine that white light around them. Yes. And so wearing white also is the same thing, which I learned uh, from my teacher. Uh, she said white colors like pinks and uh, purples, like those higher aura colors are all so very, very um can also create that singling and protection. So, but, so that brings me to the question of what is your favorite color? <laughs> um, I'm have to go in between like blue, green, and pink. <laughs> I love it because that's how I am. I think that's just our Torian, like, we can't just pick one. We have to have the whole range of beautiful yeah, like the color palettes I've got saved on um, the Adobe Cloud or on Procreate. It's just, I need my library. <laughs> That's so funny. I love it. And that actually brings me to another question that I had was how, uh, I don't, like you are such an artist and you have so much skill and technique and how did you tap into this artistic side of you? Did you were you born with it? Did you know from a young age? It sounds like your mother is very in tuned with kind of the mystical side. Um, how did you explore this side of you and and know when colors were or things were uh, giving you this kind of light? Well, my dad was very technical in terms of what he did for work. He was a fisheries engineer, but he studied architecture, and he was also an insane artist, and my mom is also, even though she denies it, she's incredibly talented, and my mom, she would do it more for, in her own time, and my dad, he had the World Wildlife Fund, like, he'd do briefs for them sometimes, and it's like, he would do stints here and there, um... And so, I can't remember when I started. It was just always there. And I like to say it was like the golden retriever at the end of my bed. You know that safety that it's just, you wake up in the morning and it's there. You go to bed and it's there. And it was never, I know what I want to do. It was just always there. <laughs> and it just started with... I don't know, do you remember those things when you were really small? You had like a pen and a little tablet and you could scribble on it and then erase it. And it was, I don't it's, it, it's like those really, really, really old tablets. But I know a lot of kids would just play around with those things. And then you could erase your pixels. And I just was always on that thing. Um, and then I just never stopped. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I could just picture you like just tiny, like three or four year old just being like all into the art and gadgets and just combining it all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I love my gadgets. Oh my gosh, that is so, I love that about you because for me, I mean, it's so interesting because we have the same birthdays to see what similarities we have and what are different. And for one of the things that, of course, I understood and I, I was attracted to right away was your your eye, just like how you captured um, your 
I guess kind of aesthetic for your podcast. You were, when you picked photos of your interviewees, you picked all the ones that just totally, I think, captured who they were. And I was really surprised when you uh, picked the pictures that were on my Instagram. And I love them because it's always like it lets you into the other person's perspective of you or perception. So I knew we had a love of colors and um, just like just beauty and photographs and everything. But I'm super disorganized. So when I found that you were just completely like a wizard on the computer and in art, like I, I never met that combo before. And so you just really blow my mind with that technology. <laughs> and so I was going to ask the next question of how did you put all of this together into your Guts and Glory podcasting? I know we talked a little bit during my interview, um, but I think you said you started in fashion or art school, and I wanted to just kind of to see again how you uh, transformed into who you are now. Oh gosh. Um, well, I never had say a set plan. I knew what I wanted to do, and I am extremely stubborn, and I'm gonna do it. And if I know what the next step is. I don't need to say necessarily know what next month or like in a year is going to look like, but I'm going to take that next step. And I think that served me well in terms of trying not to overwhelm myself and not getting lost in stagnation, but making sure there's always action happening. But at the same time, looking back at my trajectory, it's very unconventional and I wouldn't have, ch I don't regret anything and I wouldn't have changed anything. But I do know that, say, I think it could annoy some people in terms of, well, you really could have done this or that better. Um, but I just always kind of jumped off the deep end. So I, due to my dad's work, we moved around a lot. I experienced a lot of different types of schooling, um, high school education was between the British system, the American system, um, and my last high school, it was just the International Baccalaureate. You know, I was spending three to four days at home trying to finish all of the work that we were being given and just not going to school. And then the other two or one day I was like at school and just completely overwhelmed and stayed up until 4 a.m. And I was getting good grades, but I realized this is ridiculous. This is not how a human should be living. And it wasn't going to be like a high school dropout, but I knew I had to do something because I knew what I wanted to do. And that was going to be art. It was going to be animation. It was going to be something in that form. It had to be creative, but that's kind of all I knew. And I knew that I needed a backup plan to get out of high school. So I applied to a new school that had just opened up in Amsterdam, the Amsterdam Fashion Academy. And I had been building up an art portfolio alongside my high school um, education. Just, I mean, it, it wasn't really intentional either. I was just always making art. And um, they accepted me based off of that uh, for the foundation year. And I was completely shocked. I was like, okay. Uh, so that was my backup plan. I was like, great. I'm out of high school. Let's do this. I did the foundation year. Then I got accepted into the bachelor. And I decided, okay, fashion and textiles is not my thing. But I need another backup plan before I just completely, you know, head into graduating from this year and having nothing. So I wanted to head out to Los Angeles and do internships and just get real experience. Um... But I knew I didn't want to go back to university or college. I know it was only based off of one year, but I was like, I need to learn on the like where the action's at. So I made sure I got accepted by um, a few universities here and some in my applications. That was like my safety net. I got in, and then I got an internship in Los Angeles. And I was like, cool, let's go to Los Angeles. Did a few internships under creative agencies, art directors, and then obviously visa-wise, I had to come back, um, and ever since then, I just 
kind of have been building it up as a freelance artist and managed to expand out into creative consulting um, and started Guts and Glory because I was lacking industry here and I wanted to connect to people and I've always felt that genuine connection is very important and that's something we lack in our everyday, something we've lost and obviously guts and glory, people don't follow their intuition and gut enough and it's never ever let me down so I want to kind of combine the two alongside obviously being very aware of health and that like it starts in your gut and the microbium and everything but that's like a whole other rabbit hole um, <laughs> where you could go on for hours and hours and hours <laughs> oh my gosh I love it so which came first the gut the physiological knowledge that you had about it or the intuitive part or did you just start figuring out both together and you went down both rabbit holes well it's funny because um when we were kids, my sister and me, we realized that if we wanted something, um, the next, like, toy or, I don't know, you want to go to, like, this thing with, like, uh, you want to go to, like, a, I don't know, a play park or whatever. You wanted something. And we realized that if we have intention behind it, and we kind of just put it out into the universe. We had a timeline of, okay, in three weeks I'll have it, and it always worked. <laughs> <laughs> we were very much like one track minded with that. Usually, it was just like revolved around like all the new toys that were coming out on TV. And like, okay, I want that. And it was never oh, our parents never spoiled us. It was, I I don't know. Like, we just realized there was a pattern with energy, and obviously, our young minds were just kind of blown by whoa, this three week timeline, and we just get what we want. Awesome, um, but. I do want to, like, point out, like, our parents were never, never, like, you gotta work for what you want, um, and make sure you know the value of money and put your time and your passion and intention and, like, you gotta put your time in. Wow. That's really amazing that you guys, that you and your sister have figured it out, and I have a younger sister, too, so it's like, when you have, when the two of you can conspire really magical and fun things can happen but I, I definitely did not <laughs> realize that when I was younger um but oh my god how amazing to just have this world at your disposal and know that as a kid that's really um that's amazing so do you feel like in in the world now where it's become kind of trendy to manifest and to learn how to tap into your intuition and uh, focus on your intention but also by I guess understanding that intuition inside you, that gut feeling do you feel like you always had that since a little child like that you didn't really have to relearn that as an adult or do you feel like you have you've had to kind of like honing your magic skills and going to magic school like you had to change it up a little bit as you got older I feel very lucky where um, I think both my sister and I have always felt that we just had it um, and we understood I mean obviously as you get older you kind of understand more of how it works um, I will say that the one thing that I have switched my perspective on is that it's less manifesting, but more just making sure you're on that wavelength. Because talking to the founders of Cafe Gratitude, they really opened this up for me in a way where I was, I was like, oh yeah, this definitely changes the perspective for me, where it's not actually manifesting, but it's just attracting that energy making sure you're on that energetic wavelength rather than saying I'm playing God and I'm manifesting because it's already there and there's already so much abundance you just need to be open to it and flow with it wow that that's so like for me it really opens up a lot of 
I guess just constraints that are placed when, yeah, having an idea of something as big and abundant as that and calling it manifestation or trying to get what you wish you had and think you can't really get it unless you do certain things. But when you talk about it as in matching your wavelength to, to what you want, it's more of like, yeah, it's there for you. Oh, so with Guts and Glory and um, just following your own wavelengths, what are your, or what do you see or feel or want during this time of like the coronavirus? How did things change for you? Did it change any of your plans or your, or the things you wanted to um, to happen during this timeline and what changes are you personally making? I am terrified of what's happening and equally very inspired and joyful. I have moments of joy. Um, but excitement, like very, very excited to see where the world is headed. And I know that I have heard a few other people voice these like similar thoughts. Um, and it can be controversial, uh, especially looking at what's Basically, I know right in front of our noses, there's so much death and depression, and there's new strains cropping up, it seems, of the virus every freaking day at this point. But aside from that, I think that it's really finally underlining the way we consume and connect as people and pushing us to realize that we need to yeah, genuinely connect. Um, and I, and I say genuinely connect because I feel that if I look at it in a very logical way, it's almost like Mother Nature has said, go sit in the corner and reflect on what you've done. And what we've done is become very isolated beings. And I know that when you look at nature, nature uses viruses to regulate bacteria. And so you could almost say there's this bacteria overload of, of us and that we need to look at the ways in which we're operating as a society and realize that we haven't been operating as a society at all. We're all these islands and everyone's always kind of sitting on their little own patch of ground and saying, this is for me and this is what I'm doing and I don't really care about you and it's me, me, me. And I think that if we, I, the only time I feel extremely whole and full is when I really connect with another person and there's nothing else in life. There's no type of consumption or activity, anything that I do really that reaches that level of heightened feeling full. And I don't know what's next if people genuinely connect or if we change our ways. And that's like a huge question mark, but that's the only way I can really see our next step as a people. We just need to genuinely connect and change specific structures, the frameworks in which everything has been set up. Um, and after that, I literally don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I do feel that if we go back to the way things are, there's going to be repercussions and it's going to get worse um and I know it seems very woo-woo and like oh my gosh okay we're the statistics the statistics and you know, spreadsheets but hey I run a podcast called guts and glory and my guts tell me <laughs> that we gotta stay home um and reflect and it's not about money it's not about capital accumulation um we just need to learn how to be nate. Like uh, we just need to realize that we are nature, and we are a part of that. And for so long, we've acted outside of that. Um, 
And then personally, you know, I lost basically all my business. Financially, times are extremely hard. Uh, we struggle through the week. Um, but I don't think that's really where, that's not, say, the underlining thing that that we need to focus on. I know that I still have a roof over my head and I have a bed. And I'm going through this experience with my family. And we support each other and our community. Um, and we just focus on the good and how we can expand outwards and not focus so much on ourselves. That's another theme I've seen very heavily is that people are reconnecting with themselves and I think that's amazing. But I do feel that in connecting with yourself, you need to give that space. But then how do you expand outwards? Because expending energy on yourself and always focusing on oneself, I don't know. It just It just feels wrong as well because once again you're not an island and it's like okay you are settled you have you're in a place of balance and equilibrium now how do you how are you going to expand outwards and how are you going to yeah realize that you're a part of the puzzle okay yeah. long tangent <laughs> No, no, it's totally how I think, I mean, that's how I think, you know, you kind of go in that tension of like, okay, so how do I feel? Wait, the world is out there and all that's happening, so how do I help the world? And I think as someone who is super conscious and aware of uh, your actions and also what you're grateful for, it's easier for you to be able to think outside of yourself and to see around you but I've been reading a lot of things about you know in in kind of the woo-woo concept of this is the time where we're kind of forced to reflect back inwards and even though I agree with you like a lot of people you know do focus on their self and self um, just improvements is this a time to continue and go deeper? Because you can't, well, I think you can't do both because you either are going inward and you're figuring out all of the stuff that you, like the fears and the things that you have in the external world that you're seeing and feeling and take that inwardly and then try to see that where does that come from within because we can't change what's outside. Um, so I guess with that, I was wondering if you if you do anything to practice um, to practice that working on the inner fears or the things that you see and try to reflect it back into yourself and dig deeper, or if you if you usually just kind of see what you can do on the outside world and does that create stress for you or relief for you when you can figure out a solution to more of the external things I don't know if that makes sense <laughs> I think um, yeah I think I know what you're saying um I don't know it's a question it's a it's a conversation I've had a lot um where um People have been saying, I don't want to be the martyr, and I don't want to always, you know, I don't want to just give, give, give. Um, but I I think it's, it's also when we go outwards, there's a sense of realizing that it's not in the sense of a very surface level, I'm the martyr, and I'm going, I'm just going to have to fix the exterior, and it's not... And it's not more like fixing the problems in the world because I think that that's a byproduct of us. I don't know. I really, you know, the word I want to use is enlightenment if we connect as a people, but like that's just where my head, I just can't get off my head. It just keeps saying if we work as one being, all of us, then everything will be a byproduct you know it will all come to equilibrium it's a full circle everything is a circle the circle of life and I find that if I 
I do, I mean, I'm, you know, we're still human. We do need time for ourselves. Um, but I think that taking what you need and making sure you hit pointers, say, I make sure I move every day. Um, I make sure I focus on my breath. I want to eat intentionally and sleep well. And that's really all I, I mean, obviously, uh, also just make sure I'm talking to friends and stuff, but that's really all you need. And then how do we get onto the bigger, the bigger things? And I don't know if I'm like wording this properly, but I'm not saying this in a very eloquent way. I feel like I'm going all over the place, but it's, it's like you can go deep and inwards, but also in a way where we're doing that together because we realize that the answers are within and they're not corporeal and they're not in the physical realm. And I don't, can I read this? I, I posted this on our birthday and I really love the way that they, I don't know who wrote this and I can't find the person. I desperately wanted to credit them. Um, so if anyone's listening, or maybe even you know who wrote this, but I loved how they phrased this. Okay, I'm going to read it. It's kind of long. Uh, whatever we like to believe, the fact is that we see the world to the extent of our limitations and our perceptual abilities. By what kind of mechanism and biological function could we then see the whole world? Our whole body is like a sophisticated vessel in which everything is based on the exchange of information via receivers and transmitters. At the atomic and energetic level, there is absolutely no separation between matter and physical bodies. Everything is close together and coexists in the magnetic, electric, hydraulic, and other diverse fields of our planet. There is no vacuum or free space because everything is charged with organic or inorganic information in various forms. We understand ourselves as one being, but if we look at reality, we are completely colonized by multiple microorganisms and complex systems operating interdependently, we are all but one. We are diverse, interconnected systems working together as a whole system that we recognize as who we are. But why can we still not answer the question of who we really are exactly, despite our powerful communication and sensing devices? Is there something that we may not be able to perceive through our five senses? Could we still invent as many devices as we want to examine ourselves, but be unable to find the answers because we still use these devices within our limited perceptions? While we search with external means, what if everything was inside? And I, that's just like a very roundabout way of saying, <sighs> the answers are inside, but there's this weird, weird balance between I need to expand authentically, genuinely, connect authentically, genuinely, so I can go inwards. And we have, I feel so long been doing it as a martyr where you feel like you need to provide for other people because it makes you feel good and you're saying you're doing it for other people, but at the end of the day, we're all ego. And at the end, uh -huh. we're just doing it because it makes us feel good. And it, you can do it in a way which runs you down and then you end up being, coming, being in a place of imbalance. And then that's where you find you need to take more and more time and do more and more practices and like do more and more to feel good and consume more. And we're, we need to consume to feel good because we need to feel full. And that's where I say the only time I feel full is when I genuinely connect and I don't need to buy clothes and I don't need to buy beauty products or this and that. My entire life fits in a suitcase and I consume, I guess, in like human connection. Okay, now I feel like I'm just going on and on. I have literally no idea if this <laughs> makes any sense. <laughs> no, it totally makes sense. And it's, I think that we're in together collectively in this kind of like, yeah, this like donut hole of like we're going inside the hole, but then it goes back outside the hole and we keep cycling. And it's like we see inside and then we're expanding outside. But I read this interesting article the other day about the evolution of humans and how the species currently were living with other human species called, you know, Neanderthals. And back then, the Neanderthals didn't make it because as the climate changed and food got harder to find, our species progressed because of not only our ability to adapt, but also we had art. And that is one thing that the Neanderthals didn't have. And so it was like a really interesting idea that our, 
that art was created because of the human into intrinsic need to communicate in a way that didn't use language, that used more of feeling and like social connection. And so that's something that's so innately in us to feel um, to feel good and also know that we're surviving and we're helping each other survive. And it's through this like unspoken unspoken you know dialogue of us we all want the same thing but how do we get to it and i think that as an individual and our unique perspective perspectives and our experiences come together when we can use devices and like you know things are moving so quick so much quicker now because of the cell phone the internet and i found myself doing this too for a long time um of like trying to figure myself out by doing the things that people, other people were doing or giving to me or me thinking that, oh my gosh, I have to do this meditation. I have to do it this way because I feel good. And every time I did it, I started losing my energy. Like at first I felt really good and connected. And then I, I kept wanting that energy and it just stopped working for me. And then eventually I I figured out that it's within me the whole time. I just needed to look outside for like another clue to myself. So I guess it's a, it's like, I don't know. For me, the coronavirus is a time to really look at the world as a mirror of like everything I'm looking at is, um, is what's inside me. And for me, it's like I have more I guess I wanted more serious things to look at because I wasn't changing I wasn't changing the way that I was looking at the world I was um I had a very it wasn't that I thought I was scared of other people or feared what other people were doing I think for myself I kind of the one this concept for me was if I feel good and attract that that's the world that I'm creating and that is the oneness um, and like in terms of energy, it's like you're, I'm attracting all those positive, I guess, electrons and making that more powerful and becoming that one. And we're creating our own universe within ourselves and attracting more. But then I realized that I myself, uh, I have the negative self talks and self dialogue that starts attracting other things into my life so like for me my dad you know my dad has cancer and even though that's outside of myself I can't help him I found that a lot of the things that I feared weren't about myself I wasn't scared of myself because I'm super stubborn too for us like I think I mean I could be standing and there's this funny meme about Taurus's like like standing, like almost drowning in water and just saying, I'm good. <laughs> it's like, I can do all this stuff about myself. But if I see something happening outside of myself, I will do everything in my power to help that person. But it's hard because it's like, yeah, I want to be the martyr. And then I start feeling my energy draining of like, I can't really, you know, do so much for someone else anymore because I'm, I'm starting to feel drained. And then that's when I have to look inside again and say, why is it that I think I'm doing all the right things, but then it comes down to, like you said, just goes back down to like, <laughs> you have to just eat and sleep and make sure you feel nourished and have the right, and that, have that social connection of love and let that be the simple, the, the simplest way of becoming one again. <laughs> yeah, I love, okay, you just, you summarized that perfectly. I did, I thought I was going in circles too. I was just like, okay, now it's going, oh. but oh, I'm so glad you can understand. It's just like, um, it's this idea of like feeling isolated and you have all these thoughts and realizations. You're like, Oh, I got it. And then something happens or news and you feel something, you see someone, you forget everything. You just like thought you got this total like epiphany. <laughs> yeah. I love that because it's, I think it's really, um, 
great now that people are also realizing that intentional consumption is, you know, that extra, extra added layer of, you know, on top of, like, sleep and eating properly and just talking and moving and breathing. You know, we live in a digital world, so protection um, is really important and intentional consumption. And I have definitely set up boundaries over the years. I remember I got my first laptop when I was, I think I was, I had just turned 10. And I love my, I mean, yeah, I love my gadgets and I love gaming so much, but I don't, I, I don't get addicted I never have, say, a problem with just shutting off and I never had a problem with Instagram and I feel very grateful for that. I don't feel like I need to compare because I was very much raised on my dad's my dad was an insane businessman and he when I was pitching emails I mean I remember writing emails to uh, schools in Japan at 10 already when I got my laptop because I was like I going to the best animation school in Japan hardcore wow. animation industry mangaka like here I come um <laughs> but my dad said no one is more important than you and no one is less than you and my mom was also very strong at that and I feel that being raised on that from such a young age, I never had to really deal with comparison or jealousy. It was more so if another person has an opportunity, then that's just an example of the abundance in the world that is open to myself as well and everyone else. And with Instagram, then when that came around, I just... I'm like, follow, 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 follow. All these insane people. I'm obsessed. I literally am obsessed. And that's, I guess that's why I started a podcast, because they just, they've got a lot of favorite people. And I need to know what they do. And I just love talking. And I love what they're doing. <laughs> and I can go on for days and days and just fangirl. Um, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, it's just, if I'm consuming... I want it to be something that might potentially change my perspective. I want it to feed me and add to me. And I ask that question all the time. Is this going to do that? And if it's not, then if it's not going to feel good, if it's not going to do that, why Why am I going to expend my energy on it then? And then you move on. This was Of Friends with Christina Yangi Kim. Refer to the show notes to further get to know our guest. Share your thoughts and show us some love by subscribing or get in touch to be featured on the podcast. Released every other Monday, thanks for lending us near. Passing on the mic.